the next cast, we got Earl, Big Soldier, Plumley. You know, one of the big reasons why I want to have you on the podcast really was, is, uh, you know, obviously you're my boy. We have a history together, even though we don't talk as much as we should, but you're still my boy. Right. You know, also, uh, Father's Day is coming up. You know what I mean? And, and you've always been like an example, I would feel, to, to me, you know, of uh, raising your kids, you know, when it comes to sports and stuff like that. I mean, Jesus, your kids used to wrestle, dog. <laughs> they used to wrestle, and they was damn good wrestlers. Yeah. They went on to be damn good basketball players, damn good football players. But one of the things that always stuck out was your dedication as a father. No matter what was going on, you know, you always stood out to me. As somebody even, you know, even when I, you know, I used to talk about my kids with you and stuff. You know, near my first appointment, I sent you that letter. Look, this is a weird deal. You know what I mean? I was, I was telling Angie about that. And I, I was like, uh, the shit we was doing and everything was going on. I was like, I think that was the best thing that you could have did was get out of the situation that we was in. You know what I mean? We wasn't messing up. We wasn't doing things that we could have been doing to get in trouble, big yeah. trouble, but, I mean, there was a possibility of getting in a fight or going to jail or... Shit, at any moment, man. Getting too drunk and driving and killing somebody, killing ourselves. Yeah. But, you know, once you made that decision, man, I, I knew that was the best thing you could have done. Cause there wasn't nothing around there for us. Yeah. But to kick back and drink, party... We didn't have to do it every day, but <laughs> man, we damn sure tried. There for a while, there for a while. <laughs> Shit, you know, I, started, I was like, one guy kicked out, went to a party. One guy kicked out, went to another one. Their their clothes was on the porch, and so we just made a whole month of it. And that was it. Was like we was had our own college, like we had our own fraternity. We did, man. But that letter, man, I wish I I wish I'd have got with my mom before she passed away and got that letter, and um, I don't know, gave it back or let your kids get old enough and open it up and read it and. Yeah. See how you felt at the moment, because I know that last time we talked on the phone, it was it was like a girlfriend and boyfriend, because we was probably on the phone over an hour. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And you, and you was, you know, you was expressing yourself, and I always think about that. You know, I was like, I was like, he thought of me good enough to trust me with that letter to express himself about if something was to happen, you not make it home, that you would, that I would have a responsibility to talk to your kids about. It. Yeah. And tell them how you felt and, you know, do my best to help out and try not to let them make some of the decisions that we made. It was it was a little touchy. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's just one of the things, though, man. Uh, you know, I always, you know, I talked about a little bit in one of my podcasts about, you know, like coming back, you know, after my dad died and stuff like that, you know. But it, I never, like, even know, like, the people where we was at in G-Town, even though, like, people look, looked at like us is like pretty much America's most wanted. You know what I mean? Like we wasn't getting no fair shakes nowhere. You know what I mean? But we didn't, we, I mean, on the flip side of that, the maturity in me also tells me that we didn't make it easy for people to give us a chance either. You know what I mean? Uh, but we was doing our, we was doing our things, but I can honestly say no matter where we was at, you know, any time. And I, I never feel like, I never feel like my, my safety was in danger. I was with y'all, you know what I mean? I was with the OGs, you and Eddie, you know what I mean? That's, I, mean I was always good. I knew I was good. But, you know, at the same time, you know, I can understand why, you know, we made it hard on people to give us that chance. But at the end of the day, shit, man, I mean, realistically, like the everybody I hung out with had some kind of rough upbringing. We just was there, living the moment, you know? And was always older. Yeah. <laughs> But anyway, so Father's Day's coming up. I really want to hear your your thoughts on like upbringing, like training your kids, because you know, like I said earlier, your kids are really good wrestlers. It would have been really easy for for a parent to like, my kids are good wrestlers. They need to keep doing this. We can start from the beginning. Um, I had my dad, um, Prentice. He lived in Anarco. My biological father wasn't there, um, so my stepdad raised me. That was my dad. That was my father. You know, he always let us do pretty much not what we wanted, but made our own choices. Made our own choices. Sports wise, right. you know, so that's where I came to feel. I didn't, I didn't want to drive, drive them to do it and burn them out. I just let them make their own decisions. Even now, you know, even now with Dyson when he went to school, Dorian and his situation right now, his transition from going to OU to the next step, the next process that we're in now. Right. So I never, I never really drove them into doing something. I just told them, whenever you do something, try to give it hundred percent. Try to give a hundred percent. Don't have no regrets. There's a lot of times they didn't give me a hundred percent, but they was good enough to be the top kid in their in their level, or their school, or their team, right. or their grade. 
whatever. You know, it's just, it's a God-given talent. You know, whatever they try to do, whatever they wanted to do, you know, take them probably that long and they would know what they was doing and they'd run with it. Yeah. And they was, they was pretty good at it. You know, so I just get to sit back and sit back and watch. And you know, it's, it's not all me, it's them. You know, I just get to kick, kick back and you get some good kids. You know, I, I, try, I try to teach them the, a respectful way. Right. So I get that a lot. And that makes me happy. makes me proud that, you know, they'll walk up and shake your hand and try to tell them, look, person eye to eye. You know, don't, don't give them no bullshit. You know, yeah. be straight up with them. They do good about that. I get that a lot. You know, your boys are respectful and this and that. But I get to see the other side of them when they come. <laughs> other side of them when they're with their boys and everything you know it's I, yeah. have to, I have to stop them every now and be like hey watch your tone of voice man we're in public or right. watch what you're saying but you know when we're all together it's just like anybody else you know with your boys shit. your boys are what two three years apart <clears throat> two years apart two years apart yeah oh uh dude i one of the funniest stories you t- it's not really a funny story it's just a badass story it's like uh when uh i think it was dyson broke his arm in that football game playing peewee mm-hmm. and he didn't cry <laughs> he was he was more mad about Losing the game to, it was the Steelers. It was one of the top teams that I read on the Steelers. We always went back and forth every year. Right. It was either we would make it or they would make it. And that was one of the games that he got hit. Some guy came in when he got tackled and speared his arm. And right. he stood up and his arm looked like an S. And I, <laughs> I didn't notice it. And then everybody was screaming and hollering. And Dyson come running up. Arm was just swinging. He was like, Dad. <laughs> I was like, holy shit. So I picked him up and we just took off running and I got halfway there. I'm like, you okay? He was like, yeah, why? Like, dude, have you seen your arm? <laughs> he was like, yeah. I'm like, don't hurt. He was like, no. Can I go back? Can I go back and play? I want to finish the game. Probably not. He's like, it ain't going to happen, dude. Like, this is probably the end of the Trying to get me thrown to jail? It was bad. Speaking of Dyson, so how's a grandpa after you? Blessing. Yeah. You got a granddaughter or grandson? Yeah, granddaughter. Two months old. Hell yeah. That's a blessing, dude. It, it, uh, she came at the perfect time dealing with Brandon. Yeah. You know, I tried to uh, help him out as much as I could, and we kind of got, kind of went different ways there at the end yeah. of his life because the choices that he was making. Yeah. Um, I didn't want to be around that situation. Yeah. You know, there was a situation why me and the kids' mom got split up. You know, it was time for me to step away from that life, you know, leave that life alone. Yeah. And they wanted to carry on. So I didn't want to be a part of it. Yeah. And <clears throat> I'm at work, you know, doing my own thing that morning. And I knew he was sick. I tried to get him to come out, try to get him to, you know, come sit with us, come sit in that lodge and pray. And it was his health. His health was going down. And to me, he didn't want to do nothing about it. And then, uh, you know, he passed away and, Passed away in the next day. I don't even know if it was the next day, next two days or whatnot, but Marlo was born. Right. And couldn't have been a better time. Right. You know, I got to, same day, I had to bury one of my best friends, good friends, brother, that I took as a brother. I had to bury him and then go to the hospital and see her. Right. You know, so it was, it was a touching, touching moment, touching day. Yeah. But... It's a blessing, dude. I love it. You know, I get, I try to see her when I can, and her mom sends me the pictures. That's good stuff, man. That's good stuff. It was scary, though. Scary at the same time because she had to stay in the hospital for another almost three weeks. Really? Yeah. Um, Marlo came. They had to do an emergency C-section. Okay. Um, lost a lot of blood, Ooh. and her kidneys weren't trying to come back. Uh, they had to do a couple cycles of dialysis for it to get back and it took two weeks for them to figure that out they still can't say what's wrong but or what happened or what caused it but you know everybody's back at home healthy and hey man that's all that matters right there man both both of my kids luckily they was born pretty healthy self you know dax he had uh shit turned some green what's that called Uh, jaundice yeah i had jaundice he had jaundice real bad but i mean other than that i mean got lucky man you're gonna pray that that happens. Hope for the best. You know, now being a grandpa, right? Your uh, your granddaughter's gonna go through some trials and tribulations, right? What's your thoughts about being a protector as a grandpa? That's gonna be different because obviously I had two boys that right. didn't have a daughter. Yeah. Thank God. <laughs> <laughs> I, I thank him for that. But you know, I got my daughters, who I call my daughters. Yeah. Um, Marina, my brother's daughter, Marina was the first, and then little Maddie, and then I got. 
Lincoln at home. You know, there's girls that I call my daughters, and Marina was always, she was a little too old for me to tack on. I wanted to with Maddie, but with the situation with Maddie, I didn't want to get too close and, I guess, more or less be hurt, be let down. Yeah. Because I know she's got a father and she's got a mother. Yeah. I know eventually they're going to come back and kind of like Devin, I can see Devin, and it's a different person, and I hope you Hope he continues to do good. As far as to being a grandpa and being protective, I'll be protective of anybody in my family, whether right. it's my granddaughter, son, daughter. But no, I, I think a grandparent is supposed to be the one to spoil them. Right. But uh, man, I got my limits. I treat, <laughs> I, treat, I treat pretty much anybody's kids as the way I did my kids. Yeah. You know, you're going to sit down, you're going to listen, you're going to behave. When it's time to run around, when it's time to tear shit up, we'll do that. That's where teaching them young starts them in being respectful. Yeah. You know, behave, listen, don't do this, don't do that. I get in trouble all the time at home with my wife. She's like, wait till you have your grandkids. Wait till I'm like, be the same. <laughs> you know, this little thumper that I got right here, that it's still going to hurt when I get older. You know, it's funny you brought that up because that's uh, your thumper. It's because I remember I was at, I want to I say it was Dory, though. We was at a baseball game there in Geary, and Dory, I think I was down on leave or something like that, and I think Dory come up. He said something, like, not really, like, smart-ass, but smart-aleck, you know what I mean? I know it's a little bit different. And uh, your mom was there. You just kind of gave him that look and thumped him, and his whole mind changed at that point. He knew what was going on, and he knew he messed up. Yeah, no doubt. <laughs> so at the baby shower, Dyson and Bailey, they had a little sheet he filled out. Right. And they said, who's going to be the most, I guess, making the kids behave or whatnot? And a lot of them put Bailey and I put Dyson. And Dyson put himself down. He was like, shit, you don't know who my dad is? That's real plumber. He'll thump shit out of you. <laughs> <laughs> but they all know. Marlo's, daughter, Marlo's a girl. She's my granddaughter, but she's going to know too. Yeah. Thump shit out of you. Behave. Listen. Man, there's, it's the, the world that we live in is what scares me. We're. Young girls, yeah, daughters, granddaughters, anybody. There's some crazy ass people out here these days, man. Man, that. Then you also see like a lot of uh, like nowadays, there's like a lot of online bullying and stuff like that. You have to worry about, you know. What I mean, Cause I can remember, man. I can remember the girls back in my day. They was just crying over bullshit. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like I feel like I feel like we was dealing with like real problems at the time. Like the people that was crying over dumb shit, they really had nothing going on in their life that was really that bad. But they right. was making reasons to cry. So it was always weird to me about why are you really crying about this? Like what is going on that bad in your life? You know what I mean? Like I, you know, me and my boys, you know, we got some real issues going on. Right. You know what I mean? I ain't got shit to worry about. You know what I mean? But I, but I think, I think that's just a different mentality. It's a victimhood mentality. I don't want to say it's just little girls because I know boys do it too, but they I think they put too much stock in like internet talk. Yeah. And I don't think that matters. I really don't. I think it's all about support system. Agreed. Hell yeah. You do. You can do everything and anything on the internet and people tell you tell you what you want to hear. Then yeah. once you meet them or somebody, it's a whole different person. You know, as far as some of the, the stuff back in the days, this is kind of what I was getting nervous about, right? So I didn't really, I don't really want to talk about this, but I think it's, but I want to talk about it at the same time. That makes any sense. Because I, I think, I think sometimes it's important when, when we look back and say like how, how messed up we was or the dumb shit we was doing, you know what I mean? And then, and then moving forward with our own kids. So they know, and, and I think we, we, me and you, well, I know actually I'm positive me and you talked about this before is, you know, when we're giving our kids advice, you know what I mean? It's like, maybe it's because I've been through this or, man, I've done a lot of dumber shit than that and I live to tell you about it. To you specifically, like one thing that always stood out to me was, is no matter what was going on, like who was making you play sports back in them days? Who was making you play football? You know me, what? me as grown up? Yeah. When me you, as you, coming up? Yeah. Nobody. But you were still doing it, right? Yeah. What drove you to do that? I enjoyed playing football. Um, that was the only thing, only sport I did. And Gary, growing up, they didn't have the little league, so you couldn't, you wasn't allowed to play football until seventh grade. Parents split up. I hung around with my mom. My mom is a alcoholic. My dad didn't want to fall into that into that situation again, so he left. He said, "Whenever you get tired of this bullshit," he said, "You call me." I said, "Okay." So I hung around a couple more weeks. I thought I was caught free. You know, shit, come to my house. Yeah. Nobody's there. My mom would drop in, drop out. Uh, my sister was there. She would drop in, drop out, doing her own thing. <clears throat> so I just thought I had the house to myself, myself free fall. Right. Um, like I said, we could. There wasn't no sports there in Gary. 
But back then, we played outside. Right. Shit. <laughs> rode, rode bikes, you know. Took bikes from here. I had probably 10 people's bikes in my one bike. Yeah. <laughs> so, somebody's wheel, somebody's handlebars, somebody's Hell seat. Yeah. Yeah. Could work with everybody around my little crew, you know, we could all work on each other's bikes, work on our own bikes. Yeah. So we didn't have to have our mom and dad come out and help us put our bikes together. Yeah. But um I got tired of that situation and called my dad. As soon as he answered a collect call, he's like, You ready? I said, Yep. He said, Well go pack your bikes. I'll be there in forty five minutes. So I moved down to Darko for probably four years, five years. And I was way behind. Uh, football down there started in probably fourth grade, fifth grade. <laughs> so they had little leagues, everything, every sport you could play. There was a little league. So I jumped in f- football right off, and that was that. My dad, my dad worked. Um, if I had a game, didn't have no car. My grandpa, we lived with my grandpa. He was a pastor. Um, he had a truck whenever we could use his truck, and he wasn't gone or going somewhere. That's how we got around. But um, as far as football, I, that was my own thing. By the time I got up to work, and by the time I got to go to school, my dad was at work. Uh-huh. So I'd set my alarm, get up, go to practice. Our first hour was practice. You know, shit and shower before we got there and then go to school. Yeah. Then after school, I had practice. Then, you know, there was probably one handful of times that I could see my dad in the stands. Right. No, so it was, I knew he was working though. He would explain that to me, you know, I got to do what I got to do. Right. You know, that's where I learned a lot of mine, my work ethic, you know, because he was in the military. So at home, you know, I still do it these days. I got to fold my towels a certain way. Yeah. I got to put my clothes up. Dude, I never knew your dad was in the military, bro. And he got out and shit, he worked at Homeland for, I don't even know how long, 10, 15 years. Right. But I mean, it was, he wasn't a hard ass, but he was a hard ass. Right. You know, and it instilled into me till now. I try to tell my boys, you know, what the things I taught you and the things I tell you is for a reason. Yeah. You might not see it now, but you'll see it later on down the line. Yeah, I understand. And Dyson, he mentioned that the other day. He was like, I mentioned, I, I see what you were saying or why you did this. And even Dory, you know, Dory, they, he's working right now before he goes to school. And they called him in at one o'clock. Somebody messed up. They do a get cement trucks ready for a job. I guess he blew it off their own location, so they had to go in and do something else. <clears throat> gets off at seven that night, calls him in at one o'clock that morning. Gets home at four thirty, five o'clock, and then by seven thirty, he's back up at work again. And then I text him and I see him on the ring, and I told him I was like, "Man, I'm I'm happy for you." I was like, "Most kids your age wouldn't answer that phone o'clock at one o'clock in the morning oh, yeah. to go to work or yeah. somebody fucked up and." Then work four or five hours cleaning somebody else's mess up. This ain't no pump car. We're talking working for the oil field. Yeah. This ain't this ain't no average work. <laughs> and he's got FRs on and it's hot. And I told him, he's like, no, that's why you stay in school. So we're not out here doing this shit. <laughs> but, but he got back up, man. He went back to work. And I told him, and I was like, man, I'm happy for you. You know, you got that little bit of work ethic. And he was like, I learned it from you. Uh, you know, that's something they don't understand. I tried telling them when we was growing when I was they when they was growing up, especially when me and their uh, mom split up. A lot of times, you know, it was a check to check basis. You yeah. know, I did what I had to do. I had a good paying job, but shit, moving from small town Gary to Arino might not seem much, but it's a it's a lot when you got two kids. You know, trying to trying to give them the the same thing we did when we had two parents in the house. Uh-huh. Try to try to keep up, you know, keep up the shoes, keep up the clothes, try to keep up with I guess everybody else. <laughs> you know, it was they don't they didn't see that part, you know, where like dad was dad was struggling. Yeah. You know, and of course we always had the little side thing that we could pull back on, but I didn't want them around that neither. Yeah. That was easy money. That was a escape goat to make the bills for that month. I didn't want them in that situation. I didn't want them growing up to I don't know, I guess. Do they remember any of that? Bag, bag something up to yeah. sell it to make some bills <laughs> right, you know. But Do you think they remember any of that? I'm sure they do. And then once they got old enough Fair to out. see what was going on, that's when I was like, uh, maybe, maybe I need to do something. Maybe I need to change this ways. You know, yeah. it, was, it was for the better. Got yeah. them, got out, I got out of Gary, got them out of Gary. You know, I hung around for probably two months, you know, and 
talked with their mom, finally made that decision, and I was like, they're old enough now. Let's let them choose yeah. who's going to be the one to stay and who's going to be the one to go. And and I prepared myself because I knew that I was going to be the one on the short end of the stick. You know, I, I knew they was going to want to stay with their mom. Right. So I kind of got prepared and found a place in Reno and sat them down and told them, I was like, no, nah, it's up to you guys. It's you guys' decision. I got a place in Reno and then they kind of lit their light, lit their, I could see it in their eyes, you know, they're kind of lit up. And they was like, well, we want to go with you. I was like, well, shit, I wish I'd have done this two months ago. Yeah. You know, so I was glad that they came with me because Man, living in Gary, growing up in Gary, I'd have been worried right. about him every day. Yeah. And I'm glad that was the best best decision that probably all three of us could make was to get out of Gary. Knowing that you prepared yourself, thinking they was just going to stay with their mom, is that something maybe you got from your, your dad, kind of the choices he gave you when you're tired of this, come back? <clears throat> maybe. I never looked at it like that. You know, it was, it, was, it was a hurtful situation to see him go through with uh, my mom starting drinking again. You know, this shit quit for a long time. Um, my dad could tell you the day the time what he was wearing what the weather was like when i came home with a uh back then we had red ribbon week uh, red ribbon was kind of like a dare program drug and alcohol free family and yeah, person yeah and i came home with this little red ribbon just threw it on the table and said well i can't put this on i can't do this and my dad said how come and he said and i told him i said because you guys drink and he said in that day he could tell me the day and time everything you know he quit just because I said that. There there we was with the little red ribbon on our antenna cruising. I think that may be. I never thought about it like that, you know, for preparing myself for, you know. That's the reason why I stayed with my mom for those two months. You know, I, I was working. I'd be gone seven days, come back for seven days. Those seven days, he would stay with us. They would stay with us. It was a, it was their choice. Right. You know, he's only two blocks away from each other, from my house to with their mom. And, you know, you want me to come get you? Yeah, no. Can I go back home? Sure. You know, it was kind of back and forth there. You know, they walk down in the house yeah. or whatever. Get ready to go home. They go home. It don't matter. We just left it up to them. And I was like, yeah, it's time to move around. I need more than this little bedroom back here that I got. But that preparation was, it took a while. I guess it took two months, you know, for me to finally make a move and be like, all right, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to do it by myself. Right. Because in, in my head, in my mind, I, they weren't going to leave their mom. That's what we did. And, Shit, we got the hell out of there when we could. I think, man, I honestly, man, I, I hate it when I, I don't like it when when I see that with parents when they're divorcing and stuff, and it's always like, ah, oh, who's getting the kids? I feel like a lot of times it's they, they try to make it more of a popularity contest, and not and and, and they give up. They they stop thinking that the kids know what they, they know right from wrong, if you will. You know, they they know where they're gonna go. They they don't give them as much credit. I feel like you know, I feel like kids at that age. Cause I think about. My kid right now, you know, he's 12 years old. I know what I know what I was thinking at 12. You know what I mean? So there's why 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 can my son? If if you look at it that way, my kid, I feel my kid should be smarter than me at 12. You know what I mean? So that means he he hasn't experienced the things I has, but he knows how to make choices. You know what I mean? Because you know at younger ages, I mean, we was forced to make some pretty difficult choices. You know what I mean? That's a part of book smart, street smart. Okay, that's what I get. You know, you, uh, it's two different lives, lifestyle that you live. Not so much living on the streets. It's just hanging out and being out on the streets. You know, what goes around. You know, you don't see the world that we've seen. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't bad. Shit, we're from Gary. We live in Reno, Oklahoma City. You know, there's, we had to go to the city to experience different lifestyles from different people than from us living in Gary. And we just kind of took that back to the little town that we lived in. Every, you know, same thing, you know, the choices that we made, I guess, more or less, we had to, yeah. you know, we didn't speak for myself, you know, it was, it was a one parent, you know, once they split up, you know, I was with my dad, I'd come back on the weekends or whenever I could and stay with my mom. But of course, that was my break to freedom because the strictness that my dad had, you know, being in a certain time or couldn't do this or couldn't do that. Then when I go stay Back in Gary or Reno, wherever my mom was at, you know, it was freedom. Yeah. You know, she worked till 1 o'clock in the morning, then she hit the bar, and she didn't come home till 4 or 5 o'clock in the morning. Yeah. Wake up next day, do the same thing. Mm. You know, so that, that was my freedom to come back. Probably a bad choice to come back, you know, because that's what, hanging around. I still call my brothers, cousins, family, whatever. 
But you know, it would have been a different different choices and different lifestyle had I just stayed in school. Right. You know, like you said, you know your your son knows make he knows right from wrong and how to make choices, but yet there's always a a fine line between street smart and book smart to me. Yeah. I had we had to grow up uh, real young. Yeah, it's like it's just kind of one of them things, man. You, I could be, I don't know, I'm pretty sure at twelve. I know how many grams is an ounce. You know what I'm saying, bro? <laughs> it's twenty eight. Yeah, <laughs> I just feel like it's good for them to have it that easy. But I think it's since since we've lived that life, I feel like it's our job to to check them sometimes. You know what I mean? Like, bro, you got it easy. You crying to me about this, bro? You got it easy, son. Let me tell you what the fuck I was doing. You know what I mean? I feel like sometimes I have to check them. I, I, sometimes I feel like they just got it too easy. I don't know if that makes any sense, but I feel like that though. One thing earlier that I want to get into is is mindset. You know, uh, one thing that I've, I've talked about throughout the podcast is like mental health. You know, I even, the the best way I, I was told about it was just my dude Baletto, which you talked to me about. <laughs> he uh, he talked about going from inactive or active to inactive from a different mindset. Once you got shot, how was that? Like, how did that change your projection in life? Did, did that do anything to you mentally-wise for the good or for the bad? Uh, both. Um, <clears throat> so when I got shot, I, I stayed with my brother after I got out of the hospital. I was trying to go to school, getting in trouble, getting court order to go back to school, getting in trouble. There at the end, I was really wanting to do for myself. You know, I tried to enroll in myself in, at rental school. Couldn't do it. Tried to enroll myself through the tribes to go to a Carter Seminary there in Ardmore. And when me and my cousin, we last two days there. <laughs> they tried to, <laughs> we had to sit in the office, man. We sat in the office while they tried to get in our classes together. Some guys tagged the bathroom, but supposedly with gang graffiti and they accused us of doing it. Mm. So well, you guys got to go back home. So there we was back at home, ripping and running. Then I got shot. After I got shot, stayed with my brother in the city for a little while. And from then on, I knew my school days was over. I wasn't going to try to go back. Because I would go back. I wanted to play some football. Right. And everywhere I went, they was like, man, if you stay with it, man, you can do things. You can do this. You can do that. So I was like, man, I'm going to go play football. Go play football. Go play football. So the fourth or fifth time, then I got shot. And I was like, fuck, I'm done. Right. I want a car. I need to do this. I need to do that. So, I got shot when I was 17. I guess more or less changed my mindset for the better. Because I wasn't going to be able to, I wasn't going back to school. Where'd you get shot at again? You got shot um, in the chest, didn't you? Yeah. Probably, I, the doctor said if I wouldn't put my hand up and put my hand up, then it would probably hit my heart. Damn. So, he was like, somebody's watching out for you. Somebody's looking over you and everything else. But the mindset was probably better because I was ready to go to work. Right. So, 17 years old, finally got acquainted with my biological father. He was a truck driver, and I didn't ask him for no money, didn't want no handouts. But I told him, I was like, let me go work with you. He drove over the road, so I took off with him, made some money, came back. Of course, was still in my old ways, so kind of flipped that, making right. a little more money. Yeah. A little so on and so on, but got a car, got with the kid's mom. I was like, I want my own place. Little started doing that and got my own place. Started working. As soon as I was 18, I was working 17. But as soon as I got 18, started the open casino up out there at Concho. So I started out there and got my own place, own car. Just kind of went from there and been working ever since. So I think it was kind of a positive thing. But then again, a negative thing. Because <coughs> I didn't, I didn't give a shit then. Didn't care for what was going on or what was happening or so much for anybody else. You know, it's I don't know it's a bad deal because at the same time, because then I thought I had to have a gun everywhere I went. Yeah. Just to think for my safety or I mean, I still do now, but now it's legal to my name. Because right. all the crazy shit goes on these days. You can sit in a damn restaurant and get shot up these days. Right. People going to school, getting killed, killing little kids, you know. So I still carry a gun, I mean, but it's legal and I don't. I'm not as uh, careless, I guess, yeah. as we used to, you know, just more or less like flaunt it. Yeah. You know, I, I got a gun, this and that, you know. 
being stupid. No, but uh, I could say both ways, good and bad, after being shot. Right. You know, it took me a long time. When it did happen, you know, the first thing was in my mind was retaliation. You know, my mom talked to me and talked to me and talked to me and, and she was like, you got to let it go. It's, it, if you do it, then you're going to be sitting with him. You're going to yeah. be in jail. You're going to be in prison. You know, so I just kind of, I don't know. I always, I always think in my mind, you know, like I bitched out. But at the same time, you know, shit, I'm living free. Yeah. You know, I'm out here, can do whatever I want. And he's in jail yeah. of it, you know. And it's, you know, it's, I think he did eight years on it. Right. No, that was eight years that he threw away. And over what? A yeah. stolen radio is what caused this all. You know, it was it was a bad deal. Fucked up situation. But I don't know, man. One of the one of the stories that that me and you've talked about before is uh, that that helped me in, in my growth, right? And after after I, after after that stuff happened with me and with Tonga back in the day, right? You know, I had choices. One of the things that stood out to me is, uh, you know, later on in life, because you, you do start thinking about that, man, man, I didn't get fucking punked out, you know, but one story you told me that you seen him, the guy that shot you, right? Basically, you just kind of told me like this. It's all, I'm not going to shake your hand, but, you know, I kind of forgive you. I'm here now. And I think that me and you talked about that kind of helped me with my situation. You know what I mean? Saying like, I doesn't matter. I'm here now, motherfucker. You know what I mean? What are you doing? You know, I'm still here. Yeah, I was, it was weird because um, it was at the time I was getting in trouble, this and that. But <clears throat> it was right at the end. I was Everything was done, said none. So I had to go in and pay my lawyer. And it was uh, fixing to get whatever I got in trouble for my last time court, last payment or whatnot. And I was sitting there getting ready to talk to the lawyer. And he walks in. And I remember Deja was the, was the court uh, the lawyer. Whatever the Get lady it. up front, yeah, yeah, she was up there, and, and I walked, and he walks in, dude, and uh, anger and everything hit me at the same time. Mm. You know, my legs were shaking, my hands were shaking. I was nervous. I was like, "This motherfucker." Today's the day, yeah. And that's all I could think about, and and the boys, I had the boys. They was parked outside. Mm. You know, Kathy was in the car, and I was thinking, I was like. Just let it go. You know, like you done told yourself you forgave him for the stupid shit. And it was a different lifestyle for me already because I had a family. I had kids. Right. You know, I didn't want them to go through the shit that I went through. You know, I stood up and I walked up to him and I had my knife in my pocket. And I was like, man, I can just shank this motherfucker. <laughs> but I was like, for what? Yeah. You know, I was like, what happened happened. It's in the past. Um, I forgave him. And he turned around and his eyes was the biggest shit. And he just looked at me. He was like, hey, man. He was like, uh, I don't want no shit. He was like, I don't know what the fuck. I was, I was fucked up. You know, doing some bad shit and made some bad choices. And I guess his daughter was outside too or one of his kids. He's like, man, I got a family now. He's like, I don't want no shit. And that's like, I always ask myself what I would do next time I see you. And I said, stay the fuck out of my way. Don't rub it in. And he was like, yeah, man, I heard you was out here wilding out this and that. I was like, that's beside the point, man. Just keep your distance. Don't want no shit. Don't want no retaliation. You know, I got a family, you know. I'm not trying to raise my boys to be that way. Right. To do the stupid things that, stupid things and stupid choices that we made. It wouldn't have done no good. Yeah. And I wouldn't have been able to see my boys for eight years. Right. You know, you can kill somebody and get out quicker than you can for trying to kill somebody. <laughs> you know, you kill somebody, you might do three, four years. You know, you try to kill somebody, you're going to do eight to ten. Right. You know, it's, I mean, the system is fucked up too, but but I didn't want to be in that situation. Right. I didn't want my kid, put my kids to it, you know. And if I ever did get caught doing the shit that I was doing, you know, running back and forth and willing and dealing, you know. I didn't want them to come see me while I was locked up. They changed my life, and it's for the better. I'm glad. I mean, I always wish life could be better, but it's a crazy world. Shit, man. I, man, I can't remember where I heard this from, what, but they always talk about, you know, being rich is kind of a, it's based off happiness. You know what I mean? You can be rich as fuck and still be miserable. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? As long as I'm happy, I'm rich. 
Speaking yeah. of Deja, Deja's grandma just told us that at the funeral we was at the other day. Did she? She said something about this. She said, you know, you can have all the money in the world and still live miserable. A lot of people want it and everything else. She said, but it's not a mouth. What a beast. Yeah, makes sense. I can see that. <laughs> you know, I mean, I don't I don't want all the money in the world. You know, I just want to be be comfortable. You know, be at a, be at a spot where I don't have to worry about this and where I'm at. You know, but, you know, right now, you know, we, uh, my wife now is, you know, we still have our disagreements. So it says because we're both Libras. You know, we're both too independent. <laughs> so we're always fussing around and not getting our ways. So we go our different ways, but, you know, we always work it out, you know. But that's a good thing. She said, you go down there and tell them that you met me and changed your life. <laughs> she don't. She don't know that. Man. She she did. She changed because I was still trying to do this, still trying to do that, and she's like, "Well, I want to be around if you're gonna do this. You're gonna do that." Yeah, man. It's it's a weird deal, man. Getting married, man. Regardless of you know whatever the situation is, you know. Hopefully, it's for the right situations, you know. But me and my wife, I mean, we you know getting married. You know, I I can say it changed me a hundred percent. I know things could be a lot different. I just put it that way. You know, I mean, it could be a lot different. You know, what I mean, if it wasn't for the choices, you know, that, you know, that I made for, you know, mentors and stuff, you know, and I look, I look at you as one of my mentors too, you know what I mean? And, you know, people that tried to steer me in the right directions, even though I was, I was hell bound on getting fucked, fucked up or getting in trouble, you know what I mean? But I always still had the OGs ahead of me that was like, hey man, I want to chill out, you know what I mean? You know, the same, kind of the same thing when I got married, you know, we, we was just able to, ah, right, you're fucking up, you know, what do we need to do here? Let's right. figure that out, you know? I think it's good when you can, you know, I don't know, when you just trust somebody enough to talk to them about shit. You know what I mean? Really, that's all it is. Getting married, I, I got it, you know. Yeah, that was, <laughs> I got that's, it, shit. We got together. That was one of our main things, you know, was me expressing myself. You know, because mom passed away. Then uh, six months later, my dad passed away. You know, so it was, that was my go-to. Get the shit off my chest. Yeah. Go-to to let it all out, air it out. You know, I still try, I still got work on it, but she was like, well, you never tell me how you feel. I'm like, I'm trying, I'm trying, I'm trying. <laughs> hey man, you remember back in the day, dude, we would go, uh, when you had the fucking, uh, the red blazer? The baby blue? The, 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 yeah, baby blue, uh, the S10. I mean, I can remember it being in that ride, dude. We would go pick people up, see what they had in pitch-ins on a 30-pack. <laughs> We would drink their drink the thirty pack they just bought, drop them off, and go find somebody else. Drop them off. In between time, you was always like, "Hey man, we need to go to the house, man." I was like, "What's up?" He's like, "Man, I gotta take a shower, dog." Like he would take two or three showers a day, man. <laughs> get to get to fill a muggy, man. It's time to get it off. Like I remember, I can remember talking to your mom. She, was, I remember walking in your house, and I think the first, it, it might have been the first time I met your mom. It might not have been, I don't know, but uh, she was like, "Uh, what, Earl got to take another shower." <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> Dude, it's kind of like going to Louisiana. You gotta take three showers a day. <laughs> Make the pit stop by the motel and take a shower. I don't know, man. With all that being said, dude, looking back at all the crazy stuff, uh, you know, that went down. Obviously, we're just touching on things. We could we could talk go a lot deeper into the crazy stuff. You know what I mean? But like I started off saying, is is uh, your ability, your being a father. Can you talk to a little bit about you know your first son going to college? You know what I mean? Now your second son, uh, trials and tribulations. Anything you want to talk about that? Maybe give some advice for anybody else who's going through the same scenario. Books, education, and grades. You know, basketball, sports is a plus. That's a bonus. Right. You know, I try to tell them I <clears throat> try to tell those boys, you know, grades, 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 grades. Then your talent will lead you. Your talent will get you there. But, you know, your grades got to come first. Yeah. Your education. You know, you don't want to be chasing rigs or working in the oil field, oil fields up and down or shit, working at Walmart. You know, get an education that'll help you get a different different job, higher paying job. Dyson going to school for his first year, both of them. It was a life-changing moment for both of them. You know, Dyson's way off in Tishomingo, nothing in Tishomingo, you know, it's... It was like, man, there's nothing down here, Dad, this and that. I'm like, that's not why you're down there. You know, you wanted to go down there and play basketball. You felt comfortable there. Get your grades. Get out of there. Right. You know, that that goal right there is to get out of there 
I was hoping was enough drive to help him get good grades. Play your ass off in sports. Like I said, always give it 100%. Don't go half-ass. Yeah. Whatever you do, that's my mom told me. Whatever you do, if you want to fuck up, do 100%. Don't half-ass it. You clean up, 100%. Go to school, 100%. Sports, 100%. And him, it was a, it was a life-changing situation, but... He, I got two years out of him, junior college, and he was like, Dad, it's not for me. Right. He don't like the school part. Yeah. He played basketball. He plays basketball. We went to a basketball game yesterday on our way back. Took Dorian uh, Abilene Christian to uh, hopefully get to play some football down there. But <clears throat> that's one thing I could tell anybody, you know, get your grades first. Get your grades and worry about basketball. Right. And you got, that's, that's the main main dedication you got to put as yourself is in those books to get your grades. You don't get your grades, you ain't going to play anyway. Right. Ain't nobody going to want you. You don't have grades. That's the main thing that I would tell somebody. And that goes back, I always feel guilty sometimes, you know, because even when they, even while they're in school, you know, their grades, it's up to you. I can't do it for you. Yeah. I can't do your work for you. So I'm at home and while they're off in school, and I always ask them, how's your grades? How's your grades? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Coming at the end of the day, they're not doing so good. Like Dorian with the situation now, you know, he come back and he was like, it's a little harder. You know, he kind of broke down a little bit, you know, expressed himself. Like this whole, this whole school year, I'm like, how you doing? I'm doing good. But he finally come home, expressed himself, how he felt. And I think uh, his big dream to go was D1 and he was at Oklahoma University, and might have been too much for him. Right. You know the. Um, but they had a lot of stuff go on too. I mean, when he got there, they changed head coaches. I mean. It's, yeah. I mean, it's. it's, it's a, I think it's just too much. It might have been too much for him at once. You know, right. like expectations. Yeah. Like the coach said yesterday when he was in Texas. You know, he's. He says you're fourth and one all the time. As soon as you walk out your door, you're fourth and one. Like you fuck up, you know. Yeah. Just turn the other way. As if they're going down here, smaller school, still D1, but it's a smaller school, smaller environment. We're going to give you a little more lead, messing, not so much messing up, but like if you walk out on OU, like everybody's going to be on you. The whole school, the whole media. Yeah. Everybody's going to be trying to blow you up. The radio stations. Right. And if you go down here, you mess up. He's like, it's, it's not that we're going to hold you accountability. It's just that you're not going to be drugged through the dirt. I just wish everybody would make their grades know that. Your grades comes first to uh, being sport, being a number one athlete. Right. But like I said, they've always had the talent. So hopefully they'll Dyson still has played basketball. Hopefully Dory gets in, play football. But maybe Dyson can look back on his daughter now and be like, hey, my dad told me this. My dad told me to keep my grades up, so you keep your grades up. Yeah, it has to start somewhere, man. It does, man. I, I always look at that, you know, and I look at it as a parenting tree, right? So, like, I look at it as who raised my grandpa? I have no clue who raised my grandpa, who raised my dad. I know who raised my dad. Uh, he didn't have a good positive male in his life, period. You know what I mean? So now growing up, I have my dad. He wasn't around a lot. You know what I mean? It's just, you know, the dynamics. He lived in McCurtain County. I grew up in Blaine County. So now I look at it as this is my starting point. This is my point as, as a father to be there, a constant presence in my kid's life. You know what I mean? Even though he probably think he need a break from me. He don't. Right. You know, he don't. I'm still going to be talking shit if he's messing up, you know, so that this is to me, this is my start of my coaching tree. And one thing that, that, that I do is I, I still shit, you know, I steal other ideas from other parents and you're one of the people, <laughs> you know what I mean? I see something you're doing good. I'm, I'm taking that idea. You know what I mean? I like that idea, you know, so this is, this is a start, I think of my parenting tree. Then hopefully that trickles down and, and my kid, you know, he does a better job than I do. So on and so forth, but it has to start somewhere. Yeah. We have to be good leaders, good mentors, you know, somewhere. Uh, mentors. When it comes to uh, Native American culture, you're Kiowa, correct? No, Rapo. Damn it. I'm so glad. I'm going to edit that out. No, no. Gonna... <laughs> Editing that shit out. Dude, I was just texting my boy today, George, about, because uh, George was talking to me about, he said one of his dancers, when he used to go to the ring, he was Kiowa, dude. For some reason, I thought you was Kiowa. Is that just because of Drew, I guess? Man. Just, I just figured you just Samantha Darko. Yeah. So I just assuming shit, man. Yeah. <laughs> My bad. No, so, nothing bad about them, but. But anyways, what I was saying is, so Native American culture, so Arapaho, that does make more sense to me. 
uh, now that I think about it. So when, when did have you always been in like Native American culture? Because now, you know, I see you a lot on Facebook, you know, getting your prayer on and stuff like that, you know, encouraging people to come out with you. Did that come naturally from the beginning or did you have a mentor? No, I have a couple people that helps me out. So I always prayed, whether you're Arapaho, Kiowa, or any tribe, any um, any race, white, black, Muslim, whoever, to me is a different name, you know. But we play, we pray to the same Creator, right. same Creator created us all, everything, all living things. Um, <clears throat> took me a while. Took me till my mom got sick. She was diagnosed with cancer, and I knew there was ways to help her. Obviously, prayers. I reached out to Fred Mosquita, reached out to him, reached out to um, another gentleman, Chester, white man, wanted to help. And I was like, I know there's ways I didn't, I wasn't raised that way. My grandpa's tried pulling me in the car when I was young. Um, when my mom wasn't there, we was with my grandma. <clears throat> they was peyote and they went peyote ways. So they would always try to drag me in, stick me in the car. And But my grandma was come out. She was Christian. Christian it was different from Native American ways. That's a whole different subject with me, too. You know, because I won't sit down and go to the church or sit and read a Bible. You know, that's just, it's just me. You know, that there wasn't a Bible when we prayed a long time ago. Yeah. You know, um, <clears throat> our beliefs and our ways intertwine with the Bible. You know, the stories that we hear of life, how life was created and the creation of the land or whatnot, you know, flows into what goes into the Bible. So kind of similar stories. So I went and asked the gentleman for help. And ever since then, they helped me and helped my mom. So that was one of my things to my mom before she passed was to help anybody that I could. Right. You know, learning these ways, you know, going this way. Um, <clears throat> so my first trip to the ceremonies, she uh, she got sick and the cancer was really aggressive. And my, we flew my sister home and I stayed there. She was like, stay there. You need to stay there. You need to be there. She said, you need to learn these Learn, learn what you can. She said that way you can help somebody. <coughs> so ever since then, you know, I try to do my best. I'm not, not a medicine man. Or somebody texts me the other day, say, "Hey, I heard you as a medicine man. Can you help me out?" I don't consider myself a medicine man. I can come back and do what I can do to help you out. Pray for you, right? You know, um, that's changed my life as well. You know, going being a part of these ceremonies. You know, it's it's rough. It's a rough road to be on. Um, to try to live that way. You know, I don't try to try to go out and be somebody that I'm not. I'm not trying to be the better person than the next person, you know. But there's there's a lot of, even in uh, ceremonial ways, there's a lot of political people, a lot of people that are try to downgrade you. You know, and I, that's one thing I always pray for is for our whole tribe to come back together and be one, you know, and make us stronger. Right. Because uh, right now, it's just, we're not all taught the same, but I guess it's people that don't know try to downgrade you for not doing it like the last person did it or like they like they know how to do it. Um, it's, you know, I'm not, like I said, I'm not trying to be the best person, but, you know, I want to help somebody. I want to help our people. You know, you don't have to be a rapper. Um, there's people that ask Asked to come, hey, I've never been to a sweat or never been in there. Can I come? I'm like, the door's always open to anybody. You know, it's just like a church. You go to church, you know, they don't tell certain people that they can't come in. It's the same way with our lodge or the sweat lodge, you know. Only thing I ask is be respectful. Right. Be respectful and don't talk bad about it. Right. You know, it's 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 my church. So it, it wasn't always there. I mean, it was always there, but... I just wasn't a part of it. You know, like I could look back now and be like, man, I wish I did this. I wish I did that. Singing, you know, yeah. singing these songs, you know, I, I just, 
I get lost in it. You know, when I drive, you know, I don't even know what they're saying or the songs or nothing, but I can listen to it all day long. I was at a, a wedding this past weekend with Taryn and Sydney. Then afterwards, we went back to the hotel. We decided we was just going to stay there, but we had some people outside, and Sydney talked them into to singing for us. Actually, he didn't talk them into it. He just asked them. They did it. You know, I mean, it's pretty simple. Right. And you do get lost in it, man. Like, I, I just what you just said totally resonated because I didn't have I didn't have a clue what they were saying. I wouldn't do anything else but listening. Right. You know what I mean, I seen people shotgun and beer in the background. I was like, I don't I don't know how y'all are doing this right now. Listen. So, so that's probably the part of the, the forty nine songs. And the celebration around dance songs. You know, I'll sit back and after a powwow or a dance or somebody's birthday or something, you know, they got round dance songs that they sing and sit back shotgun couples, but it's good times, man. Yeah. You know, it's songs are to me is healing, you know, and there's also prayer involved. So I wish I was in it. I wish I'd have got involved into it a long time ago when I was right. younger. So I could know more, understand more because Cause right now I'm what 42 and there's so much to learn and catch on and you know like now we go to Wyoming every year we'll leave July 1st to go up there and we spend a week and a half week week a uh, week and a half up there and it's a uh, campground dude it's when I first seen it it was brought tears to my eyes because you come over a certain hill a certain hill there and you got I don't know roughly about maybe 300 teepees yeah pretty good pretty good size pretty good sized grounds and it's no electricity just like the whole everybody there is just camping what are the dynamics because that that's a the the so basically oklahoma is the southern cheyenne arapaho tribe right mm-hmm. and then and wyoming is the northern how does the dynamics is there any cohesion between the two or right. is that kind of what you was talking about yeah so to me we're arapaho right like i said again on the political side they're northern we're southern, right? We get looked at different when we go up there. That's something we just have to deal with, right? <clears throat> but I mean, we're all there for the same reason. It's just they'll say, "Oh, they're southern rapo, they're northern rapo." And I've caught myself saying the same thing when I try not to, because to my eyes, you're rapo and I'm a rapo, right? We're all the same thing. You know, it's just these guys veered off around there and came down here and. Made a living down there when everybody else stayed up there. We're the same people. Dude, I feel like such a tool this whole time. I just assumed he was he was Kyle because of Joe, I guess. I don't know. I just never, I just, I feel like a tool now for thinking that. Because <laughs> it all makes sense. Even even like your mentor, Fred, right? Yeah. He was my Shine Rapper teacher in high school. I don't know if he, he I don't know if, I think he only did it for like one or two years, but yeah. so I was in there and he was, he, that was one of my best classes, man. They used to teach us how to bead and stuff, make hat bands, uh, and we did all kinds of stuff. We had Miss Smith as the regular, like she was a regular teacher, but Fred would come in and teach us all this stuff. Uh, taught us how to speak, you know, the, the language a little bit. Don't ask me to say anything because I don't remember. <laughs> but uh, he was a damn good teacher, man. He was, and I, I see him every, like, every now and then. I go back to Geary or something, and I see him say hi to him. I don't know if he remembers who I am, but uh, he was definitely a good dude, man. He was definitely a good dude. That was a good class. That was a good class. Fred was a good dude. So uh, I guess, I don't know if you believe us or not, we've been talking for an over an hour at this point in time, right? But uh, however you want to end this, we can. Uh, but I do want to talk a little bit more about, uh, just a little bit more about the college side of being uh, a father, right? As in the the tribulation. Like one of the big things you said earlier is your grades, right? That makes it easier for everybody. If you do the grades in school, right? Uh What's one of the, the things that you would say kids have to get away from in college? Instead of just being a college athlete or a college student, then trying to be a college athlete. What's one of the things kids need to get, get rid of? An attitude, I would say. Got to get rid of the game system. The game? <laughs> <laughs> that is, it's so distracting. The time wasters? Yeah. yeah. So distracting. Pulls you, pulls you from... Your schoolwork and everything else. You know, I, I I tell them to use their use their time wisely, especially if you're going for sports. Everything's laid out for you from right. the time you get up, from the time you go to sleep. Yeah. You know, you wake up, you gotta go eat breakfast. Go eat breakfast. You gotta go to training. Go to training. You gotta go to class for the right. next couple of hours. 
Then you got to go eat lunch. Then you got to go to another class and so on. And that's every day. And it just, you got to use your, use your time wisely from what I can see and do your work, do your grades. I mean, that's the only thing I can think of is do your grades and use your time, time wisely. Time management. Time management, distractions. It's not only in school, but life in general, man, you got to surround yourself with positive people. You got to stay positive about everything. You know, you can't have people, you can't have people that's being drugged down or down and out depressed you know they can't be your buddy i mean they can be if you're trying to help them out in a good way in a positive way you're trying to help each other trying to feed off each other yeah but you know there's more people be your buddy than turn around and talk down on you and then it brings you down and it's you gotta have positive people man it's, it's a positive. tough one because i was talking to cody in, in uh, one of my last podcasts and one of the things that is a great saying. It's like, it's hard to help anybody if you can't help yourself. You know yeah. what I mean? So when you're in a college environment, I mean, it's hard to help your boys. You're still trying to help yourself too. So you can try, but no, you can't guarantee their advice. And you can't help nobody that don't want to be helped. And that's another, that's a, that's a good one too. Yeah. A lot of people don't really want that help, man. They're comfortable being who they are. Yeah. They just don't want nobody else to know that they're comfortable. As far as, uh, your kid, he played for OU. What was that transition like with the, with the new coaches? From my eyes to his eyes was totally different. Really? You know, my eyes was like <clears throat> new eyes. New eyes to see you. Um, new heads to turn. Maybe a good a good thing. Right. You know, you don't know have you don't have all these coaches that are set on their players that are already there yeah. and everything else. But then again, and he was like, no, he's like, they're bringing all their people in now. Right. He's like, they're bringing in who they want. He's like, I'm just here. And that was a walk-on situation anyway, you know. But I was like, well, we got to lose. Right. You know, you got a preferred walk-on. You know, he had an offer, had two offers, um, UCO in Oklahoma City and then NEO. You know, he could have played quarterback, um, UCO. He said, we got a quarterback. If you want to play, we'll get you another spot. We'll get get you a scholarship to play quarterback. But she only started in the ninth grade, which I was happy. I was like, dude, you only been playing for three years and you're getting offers to play a quarterback. But that transition there was, like, so quick yeah. for everybody. You know, and then come in after the Big 12, OU, OSU. Yeah. Come in after that team meeting, I'm leaving. Everybody's like, what the fuck? So from there to San Antonio trip, new coach, new players, new staff, new everything. Mm. And that's when I was like, well, just try to stick it out. He was like, I don't know. So he wanted to do other things, but he wrote it out. I got a year out of him. And once we sat down and we talked and he expressed himself, I could see where he was coming from. Right. And I told him, I got your back. You know, whatever you decide, let's do it. Right. So he was like, well, I want to enter in the transfer portal. This whole transfer portal is a good thing, but then again, it's a bad thing. Good thing is that college players like Dorian can still have the opportunity to go play somewhere else. Right. A bad thing is transfer portal, you got kids, good kids coming out of high school that don't even have a chance because of the transfer portal. Right. They want to have somebody that's already built up. Right. That's been there and done that. Instead of having bringing somebody in and having to teach you the ropes. Mm. You know, so it goes both ways. It's it's a good thing and a bad thing. So now we're trying to look into a different option. Hopefully it gets in. Hopefully everything works out. Which I feel it will and hopefully it goes from there and it was he got on he got on the spring he got to play in the spring game. You know, and he was, that was one of his things. He's like, I got out there and he said, I don't care who seen me. He said, but it brought tears in my eyes, you know, to actually be on the field and get to play that little, the couple plays that he got to play. And he's like, I just want to play ball. Right. He's like, I know, God, I go here. I probably have to wait two years, maybe three years to get to play. He said, but if I, if I go over here, I can go over here and do my best and hopefully start right off the bat. And being a red-shirted freshman, he still got four years. So four years of eligibility. Well, hopefully something positive comes out of that. Right. But that whole that whole transition was. I think it was too fast for anybody. I, I mean, think it was too. I mean, I, I agree with you. It was fast. For, I mean, it, 
Yeah. It was like that. I mean, it was quick, quick. Yeah, there's uh, there's a lot of there's a lot of a lot of players that wasn't too happy with it, you know. Yeah. Please come up. Was like, hey, you brought us over here and promises this and promises that, and then and you, know, you got that West Coast that UCL money. Well, that's some big money. What do you think about Stoops just coming back and filling the filling the void there for a little bit? I thought he, I was hoping he came back and just stay. Yeah, <laughs> stuck through the whole thing, but. Yeah, and I think Venables will do good, right? And I always try. I try to tell Dory that when he hears somebody's ringtone off, go off, and it's the Boomer Sooner song, Oklahoma song. He's like, ah. and I told him, I was like, "Bro, I've been an OU fan yeah. long before you was born, and I'm gonna be an OU fan from day on out." And I was like, "So," yeah. I said, "Hope y'all, hopefully y'all don't have the same game OU Texas because that's gonna be a tough decision." <laughs> Could you talk about a little bit how the tribe helps people, like as far as you know, education and stuff like that? So different different tribes have different, um, I guess you would say, grants or fund funds available. Right. Um, and Seminoles is where the boys are enrolled in, and they didn't they don't really do much for their tribal members. Right. From what I see. Um, as far as our tribe, our tribe has a respect program that helps kids to a certain age. Then you have education, higher education that helps kids out of high school, like college pays help. They'll help pay for college, but you have to be enrolled with their tribe. <clears throat> so our tribe will help you help you out pretty much do anything if you want. Right. Um, they got different program. We got a lot of different programs. And these are not only edu- they're they're educational programs, but they're also like uh like trade school stuff yes. and college college. So stuff. now now it's called uh, dreams. I don't know what the dream stands for, but they'll help you go to Votech, um, truck driving school, anything. They don't pay for everything, but they pay a certain percentage. When I went to school, they paid for me to get my CDL. Right. They paid me. They paid for my schooling and gave me a minimum wage of eight hours a day, and then gave me an incentive after I graduated. Right. So I mean, there's. You just gotta want it. You gotta go out there and ask for help. So like I said, a closed mouth don't get fed. And they'll help you get a job. They help people get houses, and rental assistance. Right. I mean. There's a uh, whole program that shit happens, you know, you can't make payment or late on utility bill or something. Right. But there's all there's different guidelines and stipulations. But I always say I don't ever get it because I'm trying. Right. <laughs> so if you try and you make this certain amount of limit, certain amount of money, you don't get shit. Yeah. But I mean if you just sit at home and sit on your ass all day, you might get all kinds of help. Right. I think it's just ass backwards, you know. And then one time I was working, they said, well, you work in an oil field. This is your payment. I'm like, you want to see what I pay every month? I got truck payment, insurance, phone bills, right. rent, electricity, gas. I was like, shit, it's all in there. Right. But there's, there's different programs for each tribe, different tribes. Chickasaw is what you want to be part of. Right. Chickasaw is you don't even have to be their tribal member, and they'll help you with housing. Really? Yeah. Down, uh, I guess, down towards Shawnee, back on that yeah. way. But of course, they got all the biggest casinos in Oklahoma. What about youth, though? As far as like youth uh, programs, I know it's I know it's education first, but sports. Is there any sports programs they they deal with? As far as paying for somebody's gear, you know what I mean? Yeah, they'll do that. That's the that's the respect program. Um, they help with um, like athletic shoes. If you're in school and you got basketball shoes. They help you get basketball shoes. They actually have respect basketball teams um, from little guys on up to high school where they'll do traveling ball, kind of like AAU. Right. They do that for the kids in the summertime. Um, they'll help with like uniforms, league fees, all that stuff to help you get some shoes. Kids. That's especially you go to the tribe and it's, is it like a grand or something like that? So some of them, some of them will do federal grants and then some of them will do 
um, gaming funds. So everything that they draw in from the casino, they split up between these groups. Yeah. So you got a certain amount of gaming funds that you can get. I don't know too much about that side of it. <laughs> but I just know they I know they got they got a program for everything out there. For right. everybody. Remember if you have any information leading up to the arrest or conviction of the murder of Barry J. Bean, please respond to at Mr. Bean Podcast One on Twitter or Facebook at Mr. Bean's Podcast. You can also like and follow on Podbean and leave a comment. Thank you. Have a blessed day.